0: And welcome back everyone to the Cold War cast. I am your host, Ryan Llewellyn. This is a podcast where we discuss the history and the pop culture of the Cold War. On October 4th of 1957, the Soviet Union launched the very first man-made satellite in space, called Sputnik. Today, Sputnik is safely in the realm of pop culture. It's something kind of kitschy with its cute little beeping. But back then, Sputnik was something sinister and as frightening as anything that the American public would see on the silver screen, be it Mutant Ants or the creature from the Black Lagoon or whatever was popular at the time. It meant that the Reds were ahead of us. A nation full of agrarian, peasant, wheat farmers, and factory slaves just passed us up in the world of science and technology and military. It meant that because they can get that satellite up there, it meant that their missiles could hit us. It meant that here in the United States, we were vulnerable, like we had never been before. So today, we're going to talk a few facts about Sputnik. Not much, though. And we're going to talk a little bit about the backstory. But the interesting thing here, I think, is the reactions of the American public at the time. And I did something kind of fun. I went back through the archives of my local newspaper, the Des Moines Register, and went back to the days right after Sputnik um, launched. It took me a second to process this, but I you know, initially wanted to go back to the 4th of October, but um, you know, kind of forgetting that back then the, there was a little bit of delay in the news. So I went back to the 5th of October and the 6th and 7th to gather the news articles and the reactions from people on the time. And that was really kind of a a, a fun um, activity. I think that losing newspapers, or I mean, you know, we haven't completely lost them, but um, you know what I mean, no one really gets them anymore besides, you know, my dad and some other people <laughs> his age. But there was something kind of lost there. You know, sure, we've gained a lot by the way we get news now, but I I don't know. I had a little bit of nostalgia, I think, flipping through a little bit, you know, growing up reading the Des Moines Register uh, pretty much every day and that being the main source of how I learned about the world at the time. Now, I think looking at the Des Moines Register in particular was a good one because If you've ever heard the phrase, how does this play in Peoria? (laughs) Well, it's pretty much the same idea. And, you know, we're kind of right in the middle um, of the country, not really swinging one way or the other politically. And um, honestly, at the time and, you know, up until the demise of newspapers, the Des Moines Register was considered one of the better ones in the country. I believe it was... One of the papers that the White House always subscribed to, you know, there was a, a handful of them, of course, the big ones, you know, like in New York, Chicago, um, Los Angeles, but they would get a, a few other ones as well, too. Like I believe the Kansas City Star, um, Omaha World Herald was very good, too, and the Des Moines Register. So, um, you, know, you know, this isn't nece- the Des Moines Register wasn't necessarily um, a small town newspaper, it had a, a very good reputation. So, and well, that was what I had access to through my library. <laughs> so, that's what we're going to go with. And I, I got some good material from there that I think you'll be interested in. All right. So, Sputnik was 23 inches in diameter and weighed 184 pounds. It was about the size of a beach ball. But, you know, for those of you that are meatheads listening, it was like an Atlas stone, basically, um, you know, heavyweight and about that size. And so like launching an Atlas stone into space. So what was remarkable about the size of this is that it roughly takes about a thousand pounds of thrust with a rocket to get one pound up in the space. So it meant that the Soviets had close to 200,000 um Pounds of uh, a force that they could send up into space with a, um, with with their rockets. So it meant that um, they were more advanced than we were at the time because we were very impressed with the size and the rockets, or excuse me, the satellites that the American was working on was considerably smaller than this one. All right, so there was a period of time of about um, I, I think about eighteen months that the World Declared International Geophysics Year from 1956 to 1957, where um, there was going to be a big focus throughout the world on the realms of rocketry, radar, electronics, and space. And with the fairly recent death of Stalin, the Cold War between the United States and the Soviet Union had cooled down just a little bit, so there was implied that there would be some friendly competition and perhaps some cooperation between the two superpowers during this time. About 50 countries participated. So this was a true international event. So if you think about at the time, um, travel was more accessible with uh, you know airplanes and all that. Um, TV is kind of coming into its um, age. Radio is well-established. Uh, you know, you just had the United Nations, you just had this big war that really brought in people's horizons, um, you know, the Second World War. This was really the early ages of, of globalism. So the world was getting a lot smaller and, uh, you know, thus this, this was just an example of cooperation between a, a world and a world thinking globally as well, too. Now one thing that happened during this this year was the United States made a pretty big production out of the idea that we had the know-how the the brainpower um all the knowledge that would help a lot of these developing countries and a lot when we were saying things like this a lot of the um you know lesser countries I guess you would say kind of groaned and rolled their eyes at this and, and viewed it as kind of patronizing, like, oh, you know, here, here we go. These guys think they're so great. So, And then we'll get back to that here in a second. Now, we're going to backtrack a little bit, too. Once the year was announced that this was going to happen, the Eisenhower administration, back at the end of July in 1955, announced that the Americans, we had a plan to put a satellite in the space. Well, a couple days later, the Soviets said the same thing, that, well, they were going to put a satellite to space, and their little Soviet elves went to work. Now, the first prototype that the Soviets made was a little too big, and they had put some um, gadgets on there to extract data from all this, and they ended up stripping it down quite a bit, and... Just the absolute bare bones plus a radio that would transmit this beeping sound back back to Earth. But they got it figured out, and according to the legend, they got it right on the first shot. And on October 4th of 1957, as I said, Sputnik went up to space, and the world, specifically the United States, was absolutely floored. All right, so now we're going to turn to the pages of the Des Moines Register to get reactions from the time. And like I said, I think this is interesting because you're getting pure reactions at the time. There's no real time to mull it over and put in historical context or anything. It's just the news at the moment, more or less, where you know there might be a, a few hours to kind of digest it. All right, so the headline you know, in big, bold letters, was Reds launched the first moon. And moon in quotes, or maybe scare quotes. <laughs> so if you want to see a picture of it, actually go to Instagram and look up Cold Warcast there. I put it there yesterday. There's some raw data about Sputnik just to give the public an understanding. And I think it is cool how clearly written it is just so the, the reader can really understand what the satellite is. It talks about the way it orbits, its size, um, you know, gives a comparison, I guess, to its diameter, and points out the fact that it's nine times as heavy as the one that we were, the United States, was currently working on. And it also talked about how you could see Sputnik, potentially. And at this stage in the game, at the time of publication, no one had seen it yet, so... There was some buzz with the local astronomy clubs. They were supposed to go out um, at 4.30 that morning to potentially see it. And I guess they had reported that they went out the previous morning and, and couldn't see it for whatever reason. So there was a little bit of a scrambling and confusion at this point. But as the days rolled on, they did figure out when they could see Sputnik and um in fact, local uh, ham radio clubs were were tracking it because they could pick up the beeps as well, too. So it got to be something where if you knew what time to go out and where to look, you could walk out the door and see it just like you could see satellites today. In fact, I remember my grandma telling me about um, Sputnik and you know, the idea of a satellite being something new and novel to them, that they went outside and waved at the satellite, <laughs> you know, thinking that Sputnik was going to wave back at him. So I, I don't know. Maybe not everybody was afraid of it. But there is a tone of fear and um, of, well, being flabbergasted to all all of this in the writing. Now, in the front page, they put a quote from uh, Radio Moscow, and um, I'm going to read it here. That was kind of the Soviet Union's real uh, official announcement at the time. You know, keep in mind that shortwave radio broadcasts like this, that was the um, kind of like the official platform for the government's propaganda propaganda. All right, the successful launching of the first man-made satellite makes a tremendous contribution to the treasure house of world science and culture. Artificial Earth satellites will pave the way for space travel, and it seems the present generations will witness how the freed and conscious labor of the people of the new socialist society turns even the most daring of man's dreams into reality. So that's pretty... um, pretty uh, high-reaching uh, stuff right there. And if you were an American citizen and, you know, you realize that uh, thinking that you were the in the technological marvel of the world and the Soviet Union did something like this, yeah, like, that would be pretty frightening. And, yeah, they, they deserve to take a victory lap, I think. Now, fortunately for the good citizens of the Des Moines area, there was a gentleman named Harlow Shapley that was an astronomer, a very prominent one. He had something to do with Harvard, I, I believe, if I remember right, that was passing through town giving a, a speech or a lecture on something or other. And they got a hold of him and they quoted him. He said that he was a little jealous. And it's almost like if your neighbor strikes oil and our well runs dry but we should be glad that our neighbor has oil. He also said that the Soviet Union, he knows, has great scientists, so he's not really surprised. And he said that they he knew that they were very far along in their missile program. So this is something I, I think that uh, was probably viewed a little suspect. I could see that. And actually at the bottom of the article they mention that... Uh, he was deemed a, a left-winger. So they're kind of implying that this um, Harlow, he's got some uh, communist tendencies, and 1957 America wasn't a good time to have those. Now, Harlow Shapley he also says that, now that the Soviet Union has done this, he assumes that we will cooperate with them on uh, you know satellite technology. So a guy like this putting uh, those kind of quotes in the paper, really marveling the Soviet Union and implying a desire to work with them. Um, I don't know, he may have got a visit from J. Edgar Hoover's boys for putting something like that in the paper. Probably made a few people mad. Also in the paper, we talked about the beeping noise that came from Sputnik uh, broadcast back to the Earth. And they described the sound as like a cricket with a sore throat, which I th- I thought was kind of funny. And then the next day on October 6th, the main headline for the paper was, it was secret data from the moon, question mark, implying that that radio noise that the Soviet Union had, just to transmit back to the earth, was sending secret data back to the, the earth. And... um so if if you look at that that kind of shows just the aura of paranoia surrounding all of this. What kind of data was the satellite actually sending back? Um it had no other instruments besides the radio. Um, what could they possibly be doing? But we don't know. Is the satellite we know the satellite was flying over us. Was it sending some sort of imagery back? Uh, you know, they that would be pretty advanced, but at the time, they had no idea. But it kind of goes to show how on day one of finding out about this, it was just kind of more surprise, and then the next day, fear sets in a little bit. I also thought it was interesting that there is an art, there was a little article that uh, Igor Gruzenko, he is the guy from the... Um, what well, was the film we talked about actually, and from 1948, called The Iron Curtain, about uh, you know, and it's a true story of a Soviet diplomat that exposed a um, aspiring within Canada to get nuclear secrets back to the Soviet Union. Very interesting Cold War story, but it is interesting that they dug him up to get a quote, and uh, you know, he said that of course that. He thought that the Soviets getting the satellite came from the spying that they did back then. But um, I don't I, – know. I just think it's interesting that they they dug him back up. Now, a little bit later on, the Soviet Union had some fun at our expense at, at the United Nations. Uh, when I said that the United States offered our, our know-how to developing nations – And, you know, like I said, it was taken uh, a little condescendingly. The Soviet Union basically said that, well, maybe we could help uh, a developing nation like the United States. And everyone got a big laugh about it except for us. (laughs) But China jumped in on it, too, actually, immediately after the launch of the satellite. And there's a quote from the Chinese in the paper, too. So here it goes. The U.S. has hitherto bragged that it was the most powerful on Earth. But now it is lagging behind the Soviet Union to a growing extent. It can no longer throw its weight and in, around anywhere it wants in the world. So, uh, East Germany got in on too as well. That the technological lead of the Soviet Union can no longer be overtaken. This proves the superiority of the socialistic society and production over that of the capitalist world. So these were the uh, official statements from the two other premier communist governments in the world at the time. So that probably stings a little bit too. Here's a quote from a gentleman named Harry Stein that was, well, just an employee for a rocket company. We have known in the rocket business for a long time the Russians were pretty sharp. We lost 5 years between 1945 and 1950 because no one would listen to the rocket man. We have got to catch up those 5 years fast or we are dead men. I suppose I should backtrack a little bit and say that according to the paper this guy was a former employee of a rocket company. So, you know, you maybe just can't say part of the military industrial complex at the t- well who knows who he was working for currently or at the time. But that is interesting that it – he's talking about how this is, is really going to be an issue of life or death for the United States. That If they have these rockets, they can hit us and we're lagging behind. That changes the balance of power in the world and, and this is something very urgent. So here's an editorial, I just, just a little snippet from an editorial that I believe was on the 8th of October, so there's been a couple of days to digest everything in the Des Moines Register. And like I said, the um, the editorial page of the Register was something they put a lot of consideration into at the time. From now on, safe, and safe is in quotes, America is perforce living dangerously. That is no reason to spare Much of the world has lived dangerously since the present era of world wars and revolutions began in 1914 through 1917. American involvement, intermittent for a generation, has become continuous in recent years. Now Americans must share the dangers as well as the power and responsibility. I thought that was kind of an interesting and poignant take, that the idea that we have been safe from the rest of the world, and you know, watched it all from, from a safe distance in recent times. And now we are kind of one with the world and that we are not safe here as well too in this new rocket age. Ushered in by that little 185 pound Soviet satellite in the sky, Sputnik. All right, so those were a few responses that I got from well, a good record of the time. And I, I thought that was kind of fun to do that. So like I said, I think for maybe some of these other topics that it would be interesting to see how people react. I might do this again. It would probably won't work out for everything, but um here we are. Now those were the responses we got from people right away, but more tangible responses from the United States of America came out of the launch of Sputnik. Now, we made a big deal out of the fact that the Soviet Union was turning out scientists, two of for every one that we were, and this is how they rapidly passed us up. So changed the way that we thought about education and so forth, too. Now, our response came on December 7th of... 1957, and this was the Vanguard series of rockets. And well, famously, the rocket flopped and they called it Kaputnik, and that really put a dower on America that these Soviets, like I said, the peasant wheat farmers and factory slave laborers over there, that, um, you know, during World War II, there was kind of a production made out of the fact that. They said the average Soviet soldier had never flipped on a light switch before, before the war. And, um, well, here they are sending stuff up into space. And then, well, our rocket flops and it's not looking good for us. There was a little bit of sour grapes, actually. Um, You know, some people, scientists were saying like, yeah, this is a great advancement for mankind, blah, blah, blah. But they would always throw in a caveat, too, that, well, this this is the power of a command economy, where, and, you know, there probably is some truth to that, too, where the Soviet Union, they were able to kind of hammer a project like this out of their people, whereas in the United States, you've got pressures of the free market sending some of the best scientific minds other places, but... As I was saying, some of the reactions from the government, as far as the tangible ones, kind of mitigated that a little bit. So for one, out of this, we got NASA. And, you know, of course, this is our space agency to really direct our efforts. Because, um, well, we had plans and we needed a big umbrella agency to put all this together. It also started the DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, which is still around where it's basically a, I guess you would say, a a, a scientific wing of the military, maybe, where they work on these kind of projects and they have some of the, uh, the best minds there. And in order to get some of these best minds, the National Defense Education Act came out of this. And... This was a program that was short-lived, but some elements of this lingered on for a while too. And what this was, it was a series of programs to fund education and um, science literacy, um, technical programs, and even Russian language programs. Um, I remember when I was in school, in high school, there was a Russian class offered. And the teacher, his story was that he went to college for free, basically, you know, back in yeah, at this point, early 60s, uh, late 50s. What I, you know, I kind of forgot. He was a little bit of an older guy. And he was able to go for free because he studied Russian. And, uh, you know, the United States needed people who could speak Russian. And I, I know some programs like this kind of lingered on. I've known some people that were older than me that were given kind of like scholarships, I guess, to pursue science or little programs that could take place, um, participate in, in order to enhance scientific literacy amongst the people. So in a way, we looked at the the benefits of a command economy like the Soviet Union had and kind of blended them with our free market system and met it in the middle in order to get a greater scientific output from the country going forward. Now, John F. Kennedy, he actually campaigned um, very heavily on space and, you know, of course, later announcing that he was going to put a man in the moon and ultimately that goal was achieved. But What I really wonder from looking at Sputnik was, what would the timeline look like if the Soviets did not launch Sputnik when they did? Would we be as far along today, technologically wise? It's just something to think about, because it's very clear that the reaction from the launch of Sputnik really put a fire under our ass. Um, to get things in gear scientifically. And I just wonder, well, where we would be at. It's just something to think about. I don't know. Let me know what you think. So I'm going to wrap up the episode here. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, there's a couple ways to do it. One, you can go to Instagram and look up Cold Warcast there. Or go to Twitter and The Cold War Cast. Follow me there too. I just started uh, posting a little bit more there. So I am active and get the notifications. So if you want to follow me, send me a message. Uh, Any one of those two platforms is fine. Now, if you want to support this podcast, the best way to do it right now is a couple of things. One, need your reviews. So get on iTunes. There's actually two feeds for the Cold War cast. I need to get rid of one of them. But there's one with 20-some reviews on there. And I need you to go on there and leave a review on that one. Let me know what you think. Um, if there's any way this could be better, let me know. Um, if there's something you like and want to see more of, let me know. Just, you know, whatever. And the way you can support this financially is... Go to reddragonherbs.net and get yourself some tea. We've got a lot of uh, things there. It's loose leaf tea that's made by me and my wife. Um, we've got some big things actually happening with our business. Uh, yesterday was actually a potentially a very big day for us, and we could be growing quite a bit. But check us out there. Um, if you're not in the market to buy some tea, go ahead and follow us on Instagram at Red Dragon Herbs um, and Teas on Instagram. My wife runs that. And she has gotten very good at Instagram lately. She's very active and um, does a pretty good job with that. So um, yeah, and if you need any recommendations, of course, hit us up and we can get you started. So that's all I've got for now. Um, Thanks for listening and I will talk to you very soon.